Welcome to the One in Five of Us podcast. We are working to stop the stigma and start the conversation about mental health. I'm your host, Kayla Wood, and today we're sitting down with my mom, Melissa Wood, to talk about um, her experience as a mother of children living with mental illness. Um, So, Mom, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. This will actually be the first time that we dive really deeply into what your experience has been with my own mental illness and my little brother's um, mental illness. Um, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm very excited to um, dive in more deeply. So with that being said, let's um, start with the first question. I always start with this question um, for every podcast guest. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey with mental health, whether that's your own mental health or um, your children's mental health. Okay. Well, growing up, um, I myself never really had any exposure to any family members or anybody that I knew of that had any type of mental health um, issues or problems. And, you know, to be honest, at the time when I was growing up, it wasn't really something that was really talked about. I mean, we knew of people that, um, you know, passed away from suicide and, you know, a friend who had lost a friend to suicide when they were younger. So, you know, we, I knew that that kind of stuff existed, but never really to the level that I know now. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, as my kids got older and got into their teenage years, um, you, specifically, um, would come to me and, you know, you would say that, um, you would cut yourself or that you would hurt yourself. And, you know, to be honest, my, my first thought was, why are you doing this? Is somebody saying something to you that makes you not feel good about yourself or somebody trying to say they're better than you? And, you know, I didn't understand the full reasoning behind why you did it. And, um, so, you know, I didn't really truly understand. And then one in five, you know, they did a couple programs at our local high school here, the school you and Chris and your younger brother, Ethan, also go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really interesting to sit in on that programming and listen to them um, talk about, like, signs and symptoms that we could pay attention to as parents, Um talking about, you know, are they depressed? Are they stressed about their grades? Do they stress out because their friends don't invite them to go places? And then kind of, you know, reflecting on that, looking back into my childhood, you know, I had a lot of all those same type of worries. I, you know, I would sit and watch um, a group of kids across the street from me always hanging out and playing together, just hanging out as a good group of friends. And would sit there and wonder, where's my friends? Why am I not invited to go over to do that? So probably in some some sense do have some depression in my own life. Um, nothing that's ever escalated to an uncontrollable point. Um, I think, you know, mine's just the generalized depression. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't I have as many friends? Why don't people invite me out kind of things? Mm-hmm. Um But, you know, as my kids, my, you know, my protection is, is I don't want you all to feel that way in your lives. I wanted you to be involved and have friends. And then when you would come to me and say you were hurting yourself and um, 
that there were things happening, I, I didn't know how to fix it. So I think that was the scariest part for me. And when you did have your incident when you were a sophomore in high school, mm-hmm. you had come home and we had sat up for, I don't know, probably 45 minutes and we were talking and you were like just super excited about this boy that you were starting to date and um, just everything that had gone on. Like you were super excited. Everybody likes him. I really had a great time tonight. It was the cast, not the cast party, but the... Uh, the dinner that you always go out to after your first show. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, everything's great. And, you know, you went upstairs and you're like, night, mom, I'll I'll talk to you in the morning. And then, um, you know, a few hours later, my phone's ringing on my side table and I roll over and it's you calling me. And I'm like, what the heck? She's just upstairs. This is so weird. And when I answered it, you were just in absolute tears and telling me, mom, I've just hurt myself. I've hurt myself really bad. Can you please come upstairs? And I just remember coming upstairs and just seeing you and seeing the um, damage that you had done to yourself. It just, I'm crying because it's so hard to talk about. Um, just instant panic. I I didn't know what to do for you. Um, you know, thankfully, your dad was an EMT. He had that experience with first aid. I immediately came downstairs and grabbed him. Told him I was calling 911 because you had cut yourself open. And, you know, immediately dad came running upstairs. And, you know, I think, I don't remember. I think he carried you downstairs, to be honest. I don't even think the ambulance guys came any further than our, like, front porch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember that night was just like the realization of you, you needed help. And, um, to be in the hospital and having them questioning me and putting me in a room and making me feel like, what did I do wrong as a parent when all I wanted to do was be with you because you were hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it was really hard. But we got you through it. And we brought you home. And we got you in therapy and we started getting you help. And then I just remember you saying... A couple weeks after you started your therapy, I can't go back to this lady, Mom. I'm smarter than her. (laughs) And we were just like, okay. (laughs) And we made you promise us. And we said, we love you a lot, and you've got to promise us you're not going to hurt yourself again. You're not going to do it. You've got to talk to us. We're always here. You can't talk to us at that time. Um, You had made a pact that you would reach out to your best friend. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I believe at that time, the guy that you were dating. And, um, you know, things did get better for a while. You were doing good. Mm-hmm. But then you you confided in me. And I think that was the hardest thing I heard was that you confided in me that, Mom, I almost didn't pick the phone up that night. And that just, that scared me even more than when I came upstairs and found you. And I just knew that at that point in time, no matter what, I'd always be there for you. I'd always listen to you. Um, <laughs> I get that horrible gurgling. And that, you know, and then when, you know, it was kind of like, I guess, in a sense, it was kind of like we were prepared or I was more prepared when Chris started exhibiting the same signs and the same, you know, he, he never cut or he never hurt himself, but he would just completely 
recluse himself and like shut himself off to the world or he'd be so angry and and we found out you know a lot of that initially at the beginning was because he was fighting with his identity he didn't know who he truly was and he he figured that out and he is you know he understands that he was born with the wrong body and he told us this. We we struggled. Um, we didn't understand. We started a, we started going to a support group, and that was you know wonderful. That you know we we were getting that help to help us understand the mental challenges that he was having with accepting his true identity. Mm-hmm. And you know to this day. I think to myself, I can't understand the parents who disown their children when their children say to them, I'm gay, mom and dad. I'm trans, mom and dad. I have mental problems, mom and dad. And the parent just says no and doesn't accept it. And I I, I don't understand how any parent can do that. It's still your child. Mm-hmm. No matter who, the, who, they, who they are now, they're still your child. And... Um, you know, so then he started to exhibit the depression and the anxiety after that. And, you know, with him having already been working with a therapist to help him with his with his identity, mm-hmm. um, he was able to also talk with his therapist about his depression and his anxiety. And um, in a sense, we kind of having learned from experiences we had with you Kayla that we were and I kind of feel like maybe a little bit selfish that we didn't you know have you stay in therapy but we felt you know you learn (laughs) I guess to say as a parent you learn so Chris was getting the therapy and then he was reaching out and saying I feel like I need medication I feel like I can't control so Chris has always been the researcher of my kids. Yeah. He will, he will um, you know, I, I think, honestly, when he was going through the whole identity thing, he, he researched for probably six months or more what it was that he was experiencing before he really even talked to anyone. And then, you know, because I think he wanted to understand it thoroughly yeah. for himself. So he does, he, he does WebMD himself, so to say. <laughs> But in a good way. <laughs> he does. He really um, does. And, you know, so he's, he's, he does well. He's doing a lot better than he used to. Mm-hmm. He did, you know, his first year of college give you quite a scare. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you guys are very close as siblings, and I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do fight, but you're very close that you, I feel at any time, it can call each other and confide in each other, which yeah. is great. Absolutely. Um, and he called you and said that, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but said he was going to the hospital. So, um, yeah, you said, you know, he called you and he was going to head to the hospital. And then um, you tried to call him back and you weren't able to get a hold of him. So, um, again, another one of those middle of the night phone calls that every parent dreads, every parent dreads to get. Um, so, you know, we, you called us and you're like, what's going on? What's happening? So we did finally get a hold of him 
and found out that he was just um he he knew something wasn't right with the way he was feeling and he didn't feel okay so he sought help and um called basically like the kind of like the resource officers at his campus and they came and you know made sure everything was okay that he didn't have any weapons or anything that he was going to potentially harm himself or them with and they took him to the um kind of like an inpatient slash outpatient um mental health facility that was real close to his school and um just kept him overnight to evaluate him and kind of evaluate where he was. And, um, you know, so the one thing that, you know, I can say I'm really proud that he's been able to do in his mental health journey is, um, he can identify his, his triggers and he knows how to, um, kind of how to seek the help and get the help he needs and um before it becomes before a crisis situation. right before it becomes a crisis situation mm-hmm. um but as a parent you know i i still i still worry um i i worry about you mm-hmm. constantly um you know, every time I get that middle of the night phone call from you, I'm hoping you know nothing extraordinary is gonna happen. But a couple weeks ago we got it and mm-hmm. I come, you know, you said, Can you come? And I said, I'm gonna come and get you and bring you here. Mm-hmm. Um and I brought you here and you stayed the night with us and just so I I knew you were here, you were safe with us. Mm-hmm. And if anything, you know, anything else happened we were just right in the next room. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, you know, I worry about you and Chris having so much independence now that you're both, you know, over the age of 18, um, him being four hours away at school. Mm-hmm. It's not just a quick jump in the car and be there within 20 minutes to be there as your mom, be there and make sure you know you're, you're safe because I'm with you now. Um, Mm -hmm. and then when I'm with you, I know you're safe because I'm there. Um, I, I may not know how to handle the situation, but it's just, I think knowing I'm with you makes me feel better. I hope it makes you two feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's the thing that I, I worry about with you both wanting to, venture off onto into your own worlds you know I, I I um I know you're both very strong people and I know that you now have the resources to get more help mm-hmm. if you you know medication is there and needed and it's helping you mm-hmm. um you're you're getting the medication um you have strong support systems you have your partner and you guys have been together for ever (laughs) forever now yeah and you know i i think that in the beginning you know we always told you guys talk to each other make sure you understand each other um because otherwise you're not going to know what each other needs and Mm -hmm. um i think that you you've you've done that and you talked about that you've you've mentioned that in your blogs Mm -hmm. um and i truly know that he you know that night he's on the phone and I could hear in his voice, even though he wasn't, you know, he was worried. He he was he wanted to be here with you too, because he knows you feel safe when he's here too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, you know, I think Chris has the same thing with the, with the young man that he's dating. Yeah. Um, but they're a little bit further apart, you know, initially even here when Chris was home there, you know, there was a two hour span between the two of them. And just it, to go back to what I'm saying is that with your independence, it scares me to know that you want to move off to, you know, New York, maybe Mm -hmm. one day, um, Chris has talked about moving, you know, to another country for a few years or doing, you know, doing something like that. It's just that if you're so far away, I'm not as close to be able to come to you and (laughs) comfort you and make sure you're safe. Um, I I guess as a mom, you always have that, uh, that mama bear mentality. (laughs) You always want to keep your baby safe. Um, But, you know, I, I think, like I said, coming from never having any real exposure to it as a child and you know having two children who do have mental health um problems and both you know thank god have the support that they have from their friends their loved ones us as parents um knowing that there is organizations like the organization you work with now that that goes into the schools and talks to kids. Um, I I think it's great. I just did a survey for the school the other afternoon, and it it said, you know, what are the triggers of this? What are the triggers of that? And I literally checkmarked every single thing underneath that thing because every single thing there is. Yeah. Is your kid suffering from bad grades? And Mm -hmm. are they stressing about stuff? Are they... So don't ever think, you know, if if any other parents are listening to this, um, don't ever just chalk it up as to they're having a bad day. Mm -hmm. Ask them. Talk to them. Um, You know, granted, I feel like, you know, my kids are my friends. My kids are my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to talk to your child and and drill them, Mm -hmm. if that's a good word to say, um, you're drilling them for information and that's kind of how you you feel mm-hmm. and you know what they may resent you because you're saying what's going on what's what's this um but i will i will tell you and i, I think you'll agree with me on this um as much as i did that was it a good thing i did it for you yeah that your kids will thank you later <laughs> um that Everything that my mom is saying right now, it's it's hard to hear that I've put her and my dad through so much hurt and so much pain. But even just, like, being able to sit here and, like, see her and hear her talk about this, it's powerful because, I mean, <laughs> I knew that I knew you loved me. Like, I already knew that. But hearing the love from her in this moment is it's very beautiful um and that is something that I don't I don't think that that's something that um we'd be able to hear and experience if um if she hadn't been so I guess concerned about my life (laughs) um it was annoying when I was a teenager like of course I was annoyed that you, like, wouldn't just leave me alone, but I'm really glad you didn't just leave me alone. Um, because the, I can't trust you. All the times, yeah. who are you hanging out with? Where are you hanging out? 
who is this kid? Um, they, they, they love to say that I Facebook stalk all of their friends, but I, yeah, I, I do, but I want to make sure that I'm not seeing something on these individuals profiles that might question their safety, their well-being. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids to hang around with people who may not be good influences. Um, you know, my, I think my kids have taught me more than they realize, um, through the years. And I, you know, and it just, it's, you know, an experience. And again, like I said, you know, not having any of this exposure as a child because we didn't have organizations. It wasn't talked about. Um, I wrote a paper in high school about the effects of what suicide does to those that are left behind. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at that time that was 30, I won't give away my whole age, but 30 plus years ago that, um, I was in high school and I'm writing this paper. And like I said, it wasn't something that was really talked about back then. And, I will, you know, I will credit that I did have my English teacher pull me outside of class that afternoon and just say to me, are you okay? Mm -hmm. um, is this something that you're thinking about doing? Is everything, are you safe? Do you feel safe? And I had just told him at that time because I knew, like I said earlier, at least two people in my life um, were impacted by somebody that was very close to them dying from suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it was there, but it wasn't like as, you know, noticed or talked about. And, um, you know, mental health is just, it, it's huge. And I don't think anybody ever really thinks about the fact that that kind of stuff goes on. And, um Again, you know, to have this opportunity to talk a little bit about, like, the exposure and the experiences I've had with my kids, um, it's just, it's really kind of enlightening to me, too, even, you know, just bringing up the memories and talking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, is, it, it is a struggle. I don't fully understand that, you know, because I don't necessarily know how they feel mm -hmm. everybody you know you always want to fix the problem but the only thing you can really do is to be there as a support let your child guide you because if you do that um a lot of times they're going to give you information um like i said don't don't be afraid to ask the questions probe a little bit um you got to, you, you know, they're not going to come out right and just say, this is what's going on, um, because they're, they're afraid. Mm -hmm. They really are. They're afraid to really express how they're feeling, what's going on, because, you know, they really probably truly don't understand what's going on sometimes, mm -hmm. too. So just um, asking the questions. Um, talking to them, knowing, you know, if there's things that are all of a sudden different, um, you know, seek therapy, talk to, you know, talk to a therapist, talk to, you know, guidance counselors at school, if you know, initially, um, just 
in general, make sure that your child knows that they have somewhere and someone that they can talk to safely. Mm -hmm. um, that if it's the middle of the night and they're having a crisis, that they know they can pick up the phone and that somebody will answer. That they, they can have a list of aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, best friends, brothers, scoutmasters, <laughs> whatever it may be, um, that somebody will answer, somebody will listen. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think my kids knowing that yeah. has, you know, that's been great for them. Yeah. And, you know, again, they're not going to be mad at you if you talk to them. Just yeah. talk to them. Know who they are. Understand what they're going through. And if you see changes, you you need to pursue yeah. what's going on. Well, and like you were saying earlier, Mom, um, with when I had confided in you that I almost didn't pick up the phone, the like realistically, the reason that I did pick up the phone that night and call you is because you and Dad and and Chris and Ethan have provided such a loving and supportive environment that once, you know, once it happened and once I, like, realized what I had done and what would happen if I didn't call, um, I, I realized I couldn't do that to you, and that's, I couldn't abandon my little brothers like that. <laughs> like, uh, we were kind of getting at this before, but Chris is, like, truly one of my best friends. And um, now with Ethan kind of growing up and becoming, like, his own person now, it's 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 really incredible to see. And he and I are getting closer, and that's awesome. And um, and, and the, the, a lot of the reason that I was able to pick up the phone and call you that night is because you made it so that I could trust you. And that is huge, I think, um, coming from the other side of the, of this situation. Um, but with all of that being said, um, we've talked a lot about, um, your journey, um, and how that felt as a parent, um, and all that stuff, um, I kind of want to talk about a little bit more about what the kind of warning signs were that you saw. So, um, I know you were saying a little bit that having had the experience with me kind of helped you and dad be able to, uh, recognize some of the signs a lot earlier with Chris. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you were always, um, so to say a perfectionist, you, you always wanted to be perfect at everything you did. Um, and, you know, we, we saw that, you know, you, you pushed yourself hard on everything you, you know, you needed to be the best. And, um, there were, you know, pros that came out of it. Um, but there were then the cons, the, the depression, the anxiety that it kind of mm -hmm. built up. 
So just to kind of, you know, knowing kind of some of the stuff that was happening with you and being able to reflect on that was, you know, in a sense, we were able to help Chris. Um, I, you know, I, I do know that one of the, um, one of the kind of key things with depression is, um, wanting to sleep a lot, kind of keeping to yourself again, like I said, you know, looking back on my childhood, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I do have some sort of mild level depression. I, you know, I was an only child, so I did used to just hang out in my room a lot and read books and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I would get upset about stuff and I would just want to be in bed and I wouldn't want to get out of bed mm-hmm. because bed was good. Dreams were good. I didn't have to face the real world. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, Chris would sleep a lot. Mm-hmm. He would... um we we try to get him out of bed to do stuff and he just would not want to. And um, again, one of those, you know, one of those people who I did that in my life and I missed out on so much stuff because I always wanted to sleep that I always was kind of like not really thinking, oh, he might be depressed or he might be having a bad day. He just, you know, he's missing out on stuff and he's being lazy. And when we, you know, had the diagnosis of his depression and anxiety it was kind of like oh you know more realism is that when he's sleeping he is wanting to escape the reality of whatever is making him feel the way he's feeling mm-hmm. um i can't ever really say that grades were ever an issue because you know you guys always got good grades um occasionally your grades would slip and it wasn't because you were um, I would say necessarily fighting depression, it would just be because you just, oops, you forgot to turn something in, which, you know, that was just human nature. So that was really one of the signs that I would say really wasn't something that I think you guys had. Mm-hmm. Um, yours were more of the just um, being being reclused. Um, in your case, um you you cut because you would say that everything you like you kept things in like you and Chris both kind of keep things in mm-hmm. and it gets to a point where it hits the boiling point and it just it, it blows mm-hmm. yours was cutting you you cut to release the that dopamine as you told me feeling mm-hmm. to to give you that like relaxed like it let it let go feeling Chris will just he gets very angry. His is his is through anger. Um, so you know, it, it was really hard to say like specific signs. Again, you know, his his were like before he found his identity, he hated showering. It was like a fight. But again, at that age, he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. When you know. So it, it is hard. All of the things that you think might just be normal teenage angst may actually be a sign of anxiety or depression or any other type of mental illness that's going on. So mm-hmm. it's that's what's very hard about it is that, you know, you, you see the signs and symptoms and it it's not always easy to recognize that that might be what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so true. And, um, I know like one in five in particular does do a lot of those like screenings and, um, like you were saying with the, with the survey that you guys took the other day, um, 
with the potential signs. Um, it could be anything. It really mm-hmm. could. Um, but again, I do want to applaud you and dad for um, being able to recognize when things were not going well for us. Um, I remember back in high school, there were plenty of times where like I was not doing well and I thought I was hiding it really well and you'd be like what's going on and I'd be like what do you mean I'm great (laughs) um (laughs) no of course not but (laughs) um but yeah so I yeah it's it's definitely be aware of uh being aware of when something is changing um and it's a kind of like drastic change, I would say. Not even necessarily. I was gonna say sometimes it's yeah. not even necessarily drastic. Um, it's like personality-wise, if maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you just you know, even with like, um, for an example, like with bipolar, the, the there's the the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. Um, if your if your child is like you know, one week they're just, like, bubbly and ready to go and all, you know, all out, like, go, 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 go. This is great. They're cleaning their room. They're And, 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 and you're, you're looking at them like you are running around here like you got a chicken with no head, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then the next week they're like, just leave me alone. I just want to hang out in my room. I don't want really, to, I really just don't feel like dealing. I mean, it's simple, you know, it, it's stuff just as simple as that, like, mm-hmm. you know, night to day, like if, if there's night to day type of differences, um, yeah. if you, if you notice they want to just sleep more, yeah, they could be just tired, but there could be something else going on. Um, yeah. the, the, the grades, yeah. you know, if their grades start to slip, I mean, it, it's so funny you know, kind of looking at just the three personalities of my kids. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, Kayla, Kayla and Chris tend to kind of keep their, their emotions kind of on the, on the quiet side. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know when something's wrong with them. I mean, you can tell, you can just look at your kid's face and you know, when they're sick, their eyes seem droopy, you know, if you pay that close enough attention to your children, you know something's not right. Just because sometimes just by looking at them, you can just tell body language, the way their face looks that day. And where I was coming with that is, you know, my youngest son, he really wears his emotions on his sleeve. He is forthright, right there. He, he, he is my, he is my emotion child. And, um, he loves rom-coms. He, you know, he, he is very, um, what was the word you told me? He's sensitive. He is, a, he is very sensitive. Yeah. And he, um, you know, he, they, they all lost their grandfather. Um, it's been seven, seven years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Kayla was a little bit older. She was just starting her senior year of high school. First day of senior year. And, um, you know, Chris was in junior high and Ethan, you know, he was only in, he was like two, second grade, I think, like second or going in second or third grade. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was close to his grandpa. I mean, they all were, you know, mm-hmm. they were all grandpa's little angels. And, um, he comes to me the other week just he comes downstairs and he's in tears and I looked at him I said what's going on and he I miss my grandpa 
I, I miss him a lot. Um, do you think he's proud of me? And, you know, of course, got me crying because this is my dad they were talking, he's talking about. And um, I just kind of said, you know, I realized then that, you know, I'm not going to ever really have a problem really reading him. Yeah. Like, it, you know, if he, if, if one day all of a sudden he just stops showing me emotions, then I'm going to ask. And I can tell, you know, he'll come in the house and he, you know, like I said, he wears everything right there in that sleeve. So if he's mad, doors are slamming. He's stomping. He's got, you know, he's got that mean mug and look. Or if he's sad about something, you can see the somber. So he, he is very easy to read. But with Kayla and Chris, it took some practice. And just knowing, again, like I said, there's every, every person is different. Everyone's going to hide it differently. Um, it just knowing your child's moods, the way, the way they look, the way they carry themselves, um, the way they dress, mm-hmm. the, you know, just if, if something is off, just talk to them. Say, hey, you know, something seems off today. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to specifically say what you notice is off. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if, you're, if your child loves to wear, you know, cute little outfits all the time and all of a sudden comes down in this, you know, sweatpants and a big sweat and it's 90 degrees up. What's going on? What's up? What's up? Some something going on? Just ask them. You know, I mean, they'll probably give you the oh, just I'm comfortable in this mom and walk out the door, but it's not going to hurt. And you know, the, ten minutes later, they may be like, "What? She noticed something was up because mm-hmm. she asked me why I'm dressed like this." So you know, they're not going to just come out and tell you. But just like I said, you if you're aware and pay attention. Um, you can pick up on stuff. Yeah. It, like yeah. I said, it's not always right there. It's very subtle. But I think if you, when you. Yeah. And, um, so I did also want to talk a little bit about, um, therapy. So earlier you were saying how, um, the, the first time that I had really severely self-harmed, um, that night we got me into therapy and it didn't work out super well the first time. Um, but Chris luckily had, um, some, some better experiences with it. So, um, with that, what was the experience? Um, what was it the experience like for you as a parent, um, encouraging, your children, me and Chris, um, to start going to therapy and then also what was the process like of finding a therapist and finding therapists that your kids actually wanted to go to? (laughs) Well, um, so with you, uh, you know, like I said, um, we're sitting at the hospital. Obviously, they're not giving us any information because even with us being parents, they can't really, you know, tell us what's going on, but they could say to us, um, you know, basically, your daughter is in need of a lot of help. She She's going to need to talk to somebody, work with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, when we actually were able to be in the room with you and had a nurse there talking to us, um, I still remember she was, she was just the cutest thing. Um, she would say to you, you know, they were giving us information about 
you, know, you need to get her into therapy. She should really be working and talking to somebody. And the nurse had even just told you, you know, honey, if you ever just get to the point where everything is just so like overwhelming. And so she said, grab some ice cubes and just go out in your backyard and throw them against your house as hard as you can. Just release some of that. You know, if you don't have anywhere else right then, just do that. I still do and that. You, and you do. You just yeah. don't throw ice cubes at our house. It's it's, it's silly, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we kind of, you know, with you, with the therapy, um, we kind of used um, a recommendation from your grandparents um, because your, your grandmother... Um, has has seen therapists most of her life and um she you know they just kind of said try reaching out to our group so that's where we initially started with you because I mean we had no idea no Mm -hmm. no idea where to start any idea of like who you should be working with what specific like did you have specific needs within it we just knew we needed to get you into therapy and get you talking to someone Mm -hmm. so we you know did go through a group that um, was associated with the doctor that your grandmother had seen. And I'm not sure if she still does see, but had seen at that time. And it was more of like kind of like a a licensed social worker type person, Um, Mm -hmm. not necessarily even like a therapist, but she could do that kind of work. And, um, you know, we met, they, you know, they, they like to have a family meeting um, then they also took some time and talked to your dad and I directly mm-hmm. and gave us some, like, you know, words of wisdom to live by. Um, Come to find out, you know, through through her that the reason you and your dad would always butt heads is because you are the same person. You have you have the same personality. Very so so they, they often say that if you butt heads with your kid, it's probably because they're most like you. They're, they've got your personality. Um, and that was always her and her dad, mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris and his dad, and I think um, possibly me and Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you know, you like I said, you went to her for you know a few a few sessions, and of course at that age, um, you were smarter than everyone. So you were just like oh, I, I can't. Yeah, you're. You were just like I just I can't deal with going to her. I feel like she's done good for me, but mom, honestly, I think I could probably do the therapy with her better than she can do with me. And like I said, it was very heart wrenching to have you say those words to us. But you know, we asked you and we told you, you know, please always be forthright with us. Please, you know, come to us, and you did. Mm-hmm. And um. You know, again, with Chris, with Chris's situation was a little bit different. He um, he had started working with a therapist who was helping him with his gender identity. And um, that was a lot of what they worked initially with. And then he um, he unfortunately and it, it was a great fit. They they got along great. Mm-hmm. And he unfortunately at that time, it was through Children's Hospital here he left children's mm-hmm. so we were kind of in a in a gap of time where chris didn't have a therapist and be it uh you know as our fault because we didn't actively seek him to get into therapy again but when his you know school is calling us and asking us when you're going to get him in to see somebody else you're kind of like crap um 
oops, you know, I, I need to get that. So we did get him in with another group and um, it wasn't a good fit. He probably went to maybe six sessions with this individual at this group. And um, he's just like, I don't like, and it wasn't that it was bad. Like he wasn't trying to like say Chris's feelings were wrong. Mm -hmm. Chris just knew it wasn't a good fit. He wasn't comfortable talking with this guy so he told me and I started doing some more research again and um, I looked up his old therapist, just Googled him out of the blue one day and found he was now in a new group mm -hmm. and he was taking patients. And I immediately emailed him and I said to him, would love to get you back working with Chris again. Are you open to that? And he said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so Chris started seeing his original therapist again and they started to um dive into deeper feelings that mm -hmm. chris was experiencing so he was getting you know the just not only the gender identity therapy assistance and understanding all that he was also getting his mental health in, in addition to that part of the mental health that he was already dealing with mm -hmm. and eventually um his therapist did have him go through some testing through um, the University of Cincinnati Mental Health Department mm -hmm. and had diagnosed him with some uh, P PTSD and mm -hmm. uh, slight bipolar mm -hmm. and then and on top of the depression and anxiety. So then we started having him work with a psychiatrist for medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, medicine. So he, you know, at this point is, you know, medically being treated as with a psychiatrist um, mm -hmm. with him being out of school, out of town for school. It was harder to continue with his therapist, so he had stopped seeing him, but he does occasionally work with somebody through school, mm -hmm. looking actively to find somebody new up there, but at this point has been able to manage very well with his just psychiatrist and the medicine that he's been on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then with the whole situation with Kayla and the incident from a few weeks ago and what had happened, um, she had talked about it in her blog, mm -hmm. um, that you know, I kind of looked at her and I said, I, I want you back in therapy. I think you need to be in therapy. Um, it's been too long. Mm -hmm. We we probably should have never really allowed you, but you were, you were doing, you know, that's the thing is that she was doing good. Mm -hmm. She again, had the support. She was talking. You did do a little therapy while you were at college. Yeah. So you did have some, yeah. but it was just time for you to re- yeah. Visit that. Yeah, and I, I did, so in college, I, um, funnily enough, ha, I've never actually um, sought therapy on my own. It's always been somebody else that has told me that, hey, it might be time for you to seek help um, and seek treatment. Um, and, like, I, I know that that is a, a fault of mine, Um but, you know, that's, it's all right. It's something that I'm working on. And, um, but yeah, so freshman year of college, I was struggling a lot and my friend group noticed, um, because I, it, it was very obvious. Um, and there was one night that they kind of sat me down and they were like, Hey, listen, like we love you and we are here to support you, but you need to get help because we 
can only do so much for you, basically. Um, so freshman year of college, I started going back to therapy um, and saw uh, that therapist for couple years in college stopped around my junior year um but then went back senior year and then that's when I got diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder um and started medication unfortunately that medication did not work out well um but I you know graduated so obviously couldn't keep seeing the um psychologist and the psychiatrist that I was seeing at school, um, and hadn't been seeing anybody since then. Um, so that's where we are now. Yes. Just as a little bit of background on that. So, um, but a couple of weeks ago, um, when my mom had come to pick me up that night, um, she said to me, um, like she was just saying, it's, it's time to seek treatment again. Um, and I did, and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to find a therapist. Um, but, uh, we've said this before and we'll say it again. Um, therapy is a lot like dating. You are, you might not, um, find your perfect match the first time that you go to therapy, but don't give up on it. Um, keep trying, um, I saw my psychiatrist for the first time this week and it went really well. Um, we are trying a new medication for me, so that's really exciting. Um, and I actually have my first therapy session with, um, an actual therapist tomorrow morning. I'm very excited about that. Um, but yeah, so if anybody out there is, uh, listening to this and thinking about going back to therapy, take this as your sign. Um, to get back into it because even if you wait two and a half years it's you can still go like yeah and as I say you know to don't don't be afraid to be open and honest with them they are not gonna you know I know that um some people feel like oh a therapist is just going to judge me and they're they're going to say oh it's mommy or daddy issues or mm -hmm. and, and there you know again there's a lot of stigma around you know what a therapist is going to treat you like and um I think the thing is is that to go in there and be open and honest and just tell them I I know Kayla called me after her appointment the other day and said mom I'm so excited I think this is going to be good um, they really listened to what I had to say. And that made me realize that she told them how she's feeling. She wasn't afraid to tell them. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people who do have mental health issues and problems are afraid to, afraid to speak out about them or mm -hmm. how, you know, or they're afraid that if, oh, well, if I say this, somebody's just going to say, oh, you're just, you know, doing this or saying that because you want to be, treated under this umbrella or whatever mm -hmm. that's not at all what they're going to do they're they're going to listen they're going to listen objectively and they're going to hear what you're saying mm -hmm. and um that you know that's their job you know that's why you know they went to school that's what they went to school to learn yeah so it's um it's huge and they're going to listen and that's that's a key thing and what's nice too about therapy is it's a third person 
So if you don't feel comfortable talking to your friends and family or, um, you know, somebody like that, it's a third person who's going to have complete unbiased opinion about you and what they're hearing. And I think that um, that was great, you know, for my kids, like because, you know, they're not they didn't tell us everything. And by all means, I don't need to know everything. If they want to share it, they will at some point in their lives. Um, but that's not my place to know. My place to know was to, to notice that they were having problems and help them get to where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So now that we've talked about a lot of really like heavy stuff, um, I kind of want to take it to, uh, with this last question, just take it to a really nice, light, positive note. Um, I like to end every podcast with this question, just, um, because we do talk about a lot of heavy stuff in it. So um, what do you do to take care of yourself and your own mental health um, amidst all of this other stuff going on? Okay. Um, I mean, I was an only child growing up, so, you know, I used to just, I hang out in my room a lot. (laughs) Um, But... You know, I, I, um, I love to read, um, uh, Stephen King, favorite author. I probably own every book he's written. Um, so, you know, anytime a new book comes out, I'm buying it mm-hmm. and trying to read it. Um, I, you know, who doesn't love the occasional long hot tub soak? And, you know, that's always great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I also time, find time to binge watch a TV show that, you know, I've, I've, recently walking dead Mm -hmm. um but you know i've done tons of them i do find you know a lot of times too that it's not so much just about taking the time and just relaxing and kind of doing something for yourself but i'm also the kind of person who um i'm happy when i'm helping other people and i'm taking care of other people and um you know doing something for someone else is you know that that makes me happy too so, you know, kind of just to summarize the, the question is that, you know, I do enjoy the the time that I can spend for myself, but I also really enjoy the time that I can spend with others. And, you know, if I can help them or just hanging out with them, that's really my self-care. Yeah. And I love that you said that because um, I truly think that you are you are such an empathetic person. Um you, you can just tell, um, how much you care about other people. And that is such an important and valuable trait that not everybody has. Um, and actually dad and I were talking about this a few months back on the, um, way back from when I got my car. Um, and we, I don't even know how we started talking about it, but, um, we were just talking about you and like Chris and Ethan and everything. And, um, I was saying how, um, you are like the most loving and like empathetic person I know. And that's, um, really like my favorite trait of yours. Um, and oh no, I try not to make you cry. I'm sorry. Um, but you're just, you're, you are passionate about helping others and being of service to others. And, um, that's, that's very beautiful. So 
Thank you. Thank you. you. Um, (laughs) um, Well, mom, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, Taking time out of your day to do this. I know you had a busy day and so I appreciate you doing that. Um, And thank you for um, talking about some very like vulnerable stuff. Um, it's not easy to talk about this kind of thing. Um, so you had some really amazing insights and, um, yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. And, um, warriors, thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, you are not alone. And if you need any uh, mental health resources or crisis and intervention resources, please visit 1n5.org and have a great day.